Welcome to another episode with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and the entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore in the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. through the three states of cycle time for startup businesses or for any company that's trying to launch a new product or service. There's inflow, there's stuck, and there's waiting. Using an example from his own company's experience launching Flight School, their brand new sales rep training program, Chris tells what happened when they thought they were in flow and ready to set meetings for discovery calls, but soon found that prospects didn't respond as enthusiastically as expected to what his company was offering. In other words, they were stuck. But what was the problem? It's a great program. Why weren't their prospects seeing the value of what was being offered? Chris explains that it's often necessary to put your own narcissism aside in order to clearly look at all the possible reasons why you're not moving toward success as quickly as you think you should be. Only then can you be open to exploring and utilizing all the resources that might help you get unstuck. As he says, you need to plumb the depths of your ignorance. You need knowledge. As practical and helpful as usual, our market dominance guys offer advice on this common problem encountered by almost every startup company. Join them for today's episode, How to Get from Stuck to Unstuck. Welcome to another episode of the Market Dominance Guys with Corey Frank and the I used to say the sage of sales and the prophet of profit and the duke of discovery, but I think what we're going to talk about today, Chris, it's more like the you're the coronado of closing, the Pizarro of profit, and let's say the Diaz of discovery. And so we're going to talk a little bit about exploring and discovering things in the process of maybe persistence and cycling. And uh, before we even get to that, it's funny because, Chris, you and I were talking before we uh, hit the record button that you needed to turn off your phone because it was discovered by you that even if your phone's in airplane mode, that you can still get calls. So let me take, let me turn, I think, believe the phrase was, let me turn off my phone because it's in airplane mode and I can still get calls when it's in airplane mode. And we were joking that. If that was a phrase mentioned in a cocktail party 15 years ago, <laughs> I think there'd probably be a different phrase that people would be uh, saying to you. What would they say to you if you mentioned something like that? I think somewhere between the loony bin and burn the witch. <laughs> <laughs> burn the witch. In, indeed, indeed. So uh, I think this concept of discovery, Chris, you know, and we've talked about this off air many, many times. You've helped me with this in my various startups that I've created here is that the discovery process um, and even the top of funnel cold calling breakthrough process, it's different for startups than it is for more mature companies, is it not? It is. It is. Everything's different for startups because of the depth of your ignorance about your own offering and what it's worth to anybody, even whether you can truly deliver it. Because if you don't really know what it is, and who might want to take advantage of it, you actually don't quite know if you can deliver it. It's just, you're starting with kind of a conjecture. I'll call it a narcissistic conjecture. 
right? So what's narcissistic about it? Well, you believe it. Nobody else in the world does. And the only thing you really know about it is I came up with it. So it must be great. And that's pretty narcissistic, right? And then the conjecture is a conjecture. You don't really know. It's somewhere between a conjecture and a hypothesis, but you come up with something and you, you either are foolish enough to actually build it or you're smart enough to go talk to people about it and see if they'll buy it before you'll build it, which is a really good idea. You know, you're throwing darts in a dark room and you're hoping to hear a squeal every once in a while. <laughs> right, right. Well, this, this concept, this process that I go through, right? It is a little bit of the states of the unknown, unknown. I don't know what I don't know, certainly. But once I realize that there is something that I don't know, how do I go about maybe these cycle times? How do I know what state I'm at in order to potentially make progress? Because I may not even be aware that I need help or uh, how many cycles do I use in the same screenplay or the same discovery process before I realize wait a minute, I may be a little stuck here. It's interesting because there's a, a numbers outcome, right? I mean, if you're trying to set meetings and you go 35, 40 conversations and you can't set a meeting, there's a mismatch between your message or how you're delivering it and your list. If you're pretty good at the message, and by the way, using a non-calibrated person to do early uh, market exploration is just dumb, right? It's like hiring a salesperson is the first thing you do when you think you have a product you're not testing your products fit in the market. You're testing whether you're any good at hiring salespeople. Mm-hmm. And that's not a very interesting question. That's not the first order question of a startup. Am I good at, at a hiring salespeople? First order question is anybody out there seeing a value in this to try it and pay me for it? I mean, that's kind of it, right? And the first step there is, will they take a meeting? And if they're not taking meetings, you know, you're stuck. That's really, really simple. And by the way, the, the three stages that I see all progress being in, the phases that they get into are, are three. I wish there were four, but this is a case where three is the right number. Number one is you're in flow. Usually you can tell you're in flow because the emotional state that goes along with being in flow is that you don't notice you're in flow. So if you don't notice you're in flow and things are just kind of moving along, you're probably in flow. That is, you're doing the next thing that makes sense. You're doing the next thing that makes sense. I'm not saying you're optimized, by the way. Optimized is completely different. It isn't a state of making progress. It's a state of the machine itself in which you're trying to make progress. My machine is optimized. My process is optimized. But I myself, I mean, I'm in flow. It's going. Like right now, I'm talking, I'm in flow. You know me. When I'm talking, I'm in flow 99.97% of the time. And other people wish that. I would get out of flow. So they could get in flow. <laughs> well, as I always say, you, you put the quarter in uh, Chris's machine, you got to listen for the whole song. So that's how it works. That's right. So the next state that we tend to get in is stuck. And stuck is a funny state. We did a whole episode on this once. Stuck is the state where I actually can't move forward. I'm not moving forward because I am missing knowledge. I don't know something that I need to know to move forward. And one of the things that'll take you out of flow is getting stuck, realizing that it's not quite working well enough, It's you're not really flowing, or even more commonly among startup people, you're fooling yourself. The narcissistic part tells you you're doing better than you are. They call it happy years in sales. Happy years is when you're hearing good things and an objective listener has gone, really? <laughs> that just sounded like politeness to me. I don't think they really are resonating with your message. I think it's just being polite, right? Or you're talking to somebody who doesn't know how to say, uh-uh, that doesn't make sense to me. 
So you feel it though. And then you get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm actually stuck. I don't know what to do next. I don't, I need knowledge. And when we get stuck, we've got to do something special. And then there's waiting. And when we're waiting, we should find something else to do. That one's really easy, but most people don't have the emotional stamina to accept a waiting state. And so they keep gnawing on the bone that doesn't need, it doesn't have any meat on it. It's just time to stop and go somewhere else. No, by the way, this is a total aside. One of the cool things about our product, Connect and Sell, is the waiting state is a literal state. You push a button and you wait to get to talk to somebody. So you actually get to practice waiting. And if you're really, really clever or optimized, then what you do is you do something while you're waiting, something else, preferably something that can be interrupted because you're going to be interrupted. So the other day, for instance, one of our premier users, probably the premier user of Connect and Sell, who's the chief sales officer of one of the largest insurance brokerages in the world, was using the Connect and Sell mobile app as the first user in the wild to use it in, in anger. And he was talking to, having conversations with the CEOs and CFOs of all these SPACs. So, you know, SPAC, special purpose acquisition company, these things are bags of money that are seeking a company to acquire or to combine with. They call it an initial business combination. And I guess they have special insurance needs. And so he was, you know, the risk needs, I would call them. And so he's using our mobile app. And he called me up and he said, hey, I just had a really interesting experience. I found out that by using my waiting time on the mobile app, I could get something really, really valuable done. I said, what's that? He said, I could talk with my daughter while she's cooking. She said, whenever I was trying to get a hold of people before, I'd be heads down, dialing, navigating, phones, whatever I'm doing, and I couldn't talk to her. Now I'm waiting to be interrupted. All I had to do is hold this thing up and say, I'm in this application. I'm waiting to be interrupted. Is it okay if we talk until that happens? He says, we had a great conversation for an hour and a half, reconnecting with my daughter in a way I wouldn't have. So waiting time is like super valuable as long as you don't keep gnawing on the bone, as long as you back up and go look for some beans to eat or something, you know, there's something else to do. Mm -hmm. The troublesome one is stuck. And the reason stuck is hard is you've got to decide you're going to learn. You've got to decide to stop doing and not switch to something else. Because when you switch to something else and you're stuck, you're just avoiding the real situation, which is you're stuck. And you're not going to get any less stuck by just going to do something else. Maybe it'll come to you, but usually you don't. So the question in a startup is when I'm stuck, because I'm often stuck because a startup company or a startup effort is a state of manifest ignorance, right? You start the big pile of ignorance and you get a spoon out and you start moving ignorance around in the plate to see if you can find what's inside the ignorance. And eventually sometimes you run into something go clunk. Oh, what's that? You know, and that's like product market fit or don't do that again or something cool like that. So here you are all ignorant and trying to make progress. And you know you recognize I'm stuck, what do you do? So we had a great, great example today of the number one thing to do when you're stuck, which is with a very short cycle time, try to learn something. So how can we learn things? We can learn things from books. We can learn them from podcasts. I've heard there's a podcast out there about market dominance. Somebody said they learned it one thing and 15 hours of listening to it, that's fabulous, right? So we can learn from various sources, but the number one source we can learn from is another person 
who might be an expert or have been there, done that or whatever, and we have a conversation with them. Now, the typical way of doing this is long cycle time. You come up with a list of people you can learn from, maybe this is if you're real smart, right? You actually say, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna learn from them. Then you send an email. And then now you're in a waiting state. Wait, 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 while they get back to you. The problem with learning is it's something that works best, not like revenge, like revenge is a dish best served cold, right? That's what they say. But learning is a dish best eaten hot. The hot conversation is going to catch you in the frame of mind where you're going to ask the, the best questions because they're the questions that come from your deepest ignorance. When your ignorance is right in front of you, when you're stuck and you ask somebody to, to enlighten you, it does something to them. It causes them to want to help you because you're so manifestly in trouble. You're just such a weak little puppy dog. Help me, help me, right? You don't have to even put it like that. You just, you know, be straight up. But people like to help people. And so that cycle can be really quick. And today we had a super example. So today we're launching a brand new product. Actually, we launched it on Tuesday. Brand new product. It's called Flight School. And what Flight School is, is something we've been doing for a while. And we decided to put a wrapper around and say, let's kind of take the connect and sell thing and put it inside of a class instead of take the connect and sell thing and have people use it and then maybe bring them some instruction. They're very different ideas. They're similar, but they're very different ideas. And I've resisted it for years. Um, Annie Medina, the CEO at Outreach, gosh, four years ago, three years ago, something like that in Seattle, he asked me to come up and have a drink with him. And the drink was bourbon. And this was back before my fiance had taught me how to drink bourbon. So I only knew how to drink single malt scotch whiskey. And, you know, but he said, no, you drink it with, they put these bitters in it and this and that. And I'm going, man, you know, like my idea of mixing a drink is you pour it a little bit and you have a little bit. But I tried and I listened to him and he said, you got to start a training company, man. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, because all of our customers are, are stuck on, he actually said it, they're stuck because their reps need to learn to talk on the phone. And you guys clearly are experts at talking on the phone. So start a training division or something, please. You know, and I said, nah, I'm not going to do that. Plenty of trainers out there, tons of trainers. Everybody trains cold calling. Well, this doesn't make any sense, right? And so I left him. You know, he was all disappointed. And I don't think he's ever bought me a bourbon since, but he might have. He's still a good friend. And uh, so, you know, it kind of gnawed on me, though, because he's a really, really smart guy, obviously very successful, has raised a ton of money at Outreach. They're doing really well. We partner with them. We love them. So that's like, oh, well, you know, it's still bothering me, right? So then we start delivering training a little bit at a time. And then we have this epiphany with a bankrupt company in Texas that needed help. And I offered a Monday and Friday unlimited for a small amount of money for a month because I wanted to see if we could help them keep the company over and keep their employees employed. And suddenly it's like, oh, well, wait a minute. If we're going to do that on Monday, we better train the living daylights out of them on Fridays. And suddenly we had this four sessions of blitz and coach with a lot of preparation in between. Voila, four sessions. First one's the first part of the conversation that we're working on. The second one is what gets the seven seconds everybody talks about that, you know, to get trust. The second part is what we call the 27 seconds, the value piece. We call that, we call it free flight takeoff, free flight. You see the picture starting to emerge. Why do we call it flight school? 
Third one is how do you ask for the meeting? Practicing that, landing the airplane. And the fourth one is handling turbulence, right? There's always lots and lots of objections. And so we said, let's offer this thing, but we didn't package it. It was just like something we did and we did about 30 of them. And the effect was profound. Uh, there was a, a company in the industrial air compressor space that took the entire group of professional sellers, I think about a hundred of them, through this flight school program and they'd never really sold on the phone before. And they were effective and they had fun and they made money during the training. Well, you know, money in the form of fresh new business, new meetings. What kind of training delivers money? So we're really excited We go to package this thing up. I need somebody to sell it. Now, I am established as a guy who can actually hire a salesperson. So it's safe. Do not try this at home. If you're not sure about this step, you got to do it yourself. But I was pretty sure I'd been through 30 of them. I'd sold a bunch of them myself. So hired a professional seller. <clears throat> her name is Cheryl Turner. She's as good as anybody in the world, maybe better than anybody. By the way, her secret power is she feels quite correctly like she's anyone's peer. So when Orrin Claff talks about a, uh, a status alignment, alignment. Yep. she can status align up or down anywhere because she naturally, correctly, morally, ethically, deeply, personally, <laughs> professionally feels like she is the peer of any human being on earth. And therefore it comes across in her conversations. Mm -hmm. So given that I'm going out and I don't know, and we're gonna call on managers, I wanna go after big companies. Why? Because it's kind of hard to get something like connect and sell which goes so fast, it causes process change to get embedded in a big company. Some have done it, they've done it well, but it's a little hard. So why not offer something a little easier that they still get the good effect, which is this blitz and coach kind of training. So I need somebody who can go all the way up, sell to CEOs, come down, sell to managers. You know, Managers at big companies are like CEOs, little companies. In fact, I'm a good example. I'm a CEO of a pretty small company, You know, some double digits, millions of dollars with some number other than a one at the beginning. And my fiance is a sales manager is what she calls herself, right? At a big company, one of the biggest in the world. Well, my quota is whatever it is that I, you know, as, a, as the person running the business trying to do next year. So think, I don't know, you know, more kind of, you know, seven, I guess it's eight figures in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight figures kind of stuff, but not, nine hers is 10 okay she's got like three commas that's just her patch itself so she gets the office and i get the spare bedroom as you can yes. see right because we go by natural hierarchy the producers <laughs> get, the, get the good stuff anyway so anyway i, I you know it, it's it's interesting you don't know where you're going to call so you need a really robust caller who, who sees themselves as a peer of anybody's not going to be put off their feed but you know what else you need is somebody who doesn't have happy years but goes after it. So that's really, really tricky. So I got that, Cheryl does that, boom. She goes after, she set three meetings in their, her first morning and then calls me up and says, ah, I don't know if this is working. Now imagine that, somebody on their, so Tuesday, she gets kind of in the company. I, we're, I'm really bad as an onboarder. So it takes her like an extra day, get her some lists. She starts calling yesterday, that's Thursday. Three meetings in the morning, but she feels it's not quite in flow. Mm. And that's how you know you have a real professional. Mm -hmm. It's not because they are hesitant or have any, you know, reluctance or any of that stuff. It's like 
this could be clicking better and it's early. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. It's not necessarily dial to contact, dial to meeting type of rates. It's how would you describe that, Chris? What is that a get a feeling for that Cheryl has or that that folks like that have to know that um, they may be stuck and they don't necessarily know that they're in stuck or verse worse uh, or excuse me better is they're stuck but the other folks in their party on the team don't agree what do you mean you're in stuck you got three meetings you know exactly. and I was that other person I'm going great three meetings and she says uh-uh Nope, boss, not, not, not quite there. I'll keep doing it, but I want to give you some feedback. So that's what she said. And it really, it just starts with, it's kind of interesting. There is a, there's a way of doing startups that's really paradoxically uh, odd, shall I say. And that is, you have to have drive. you got to have drive energy going somewhere. But you have to be ready on a dime not to start not to start on a dime or turn on a dime, but often to stop on a dime just for a moment to assess. I recall going sailing with Helen the very first time I went sailing with her and that she's a real sailor and I'm, you know, I'm a sack of potatoes, right? But hopefully I'm a sack of potatoes that if you put a personal flotation device on me, I'll be a floating sack of potatoes, which is better than the sinking kind. And so there was a little problem with something up on the mast and the mainsail and all this, of which I've learned since, but I didn't know anything at the time. And she went toward it fast and then stopped. And I thought, what's that about, right? Most people, when they run towards something, they're going toward it like it's an emergency. All she was doing was getting close enough to see the details and assess the situation. She was going to close the distance in order to get the maximum information and then stop on a dime, assess and then take a hypothesis and act on it. Got and it. it was remarkable to me as an example of a very effective startup style of problem solving. So you have this drive, but you, you're not just dumb, just beating your head against a wall, but you don't give up either. It's really tricky. This is why startups tend to fail actually, is that having this combo, right? Drive, but without bullheadedness. How, how do you get that? And the way you really get it is you got to have somebody else. This is why very rarely does do one person startups succeed. They, they're like marriages in a sense that you got to have somebody cover your weakness and your blind spots. And we all have blind spots. When you're busy doing this, it's kind of hard to do this and vice versa. So you know, she, anyway, Cheryl came to me and said, you know, I'm kind of stuck. And we went through this process. And the thing I wanted to get to is the cycle time. So the normal thing in corporations that I see is, I need to know something. I go out and I find some people who might be able to help me. I might write an email to them because I already know them. They're going to answer me. And the cycle time for getting to that first conversation where somebody might help me might be a day or two days, or if it's a weekend, you know, calendar time might be three or four or five days because people are busy. 
They don't hear that in your voice and you're trying to be polite. Hey, I could use some help. I'm facing this situation. We've all seen those emails, right? Somebody, you know, I get more of them than the average person probably, but we all see them. We see them both ways. We do them, we see them. But I think in a startup and actually in any situation because every situation is a startup. All we really do is startups. Everything worth doing is something relatively new because otherwise it'd be old hat and somebody else would be doing it. So here we are, we're doing something new. We're not quite sure that it's right, that we know enough to do it well. We think we're in flow, but are we sure we're in flow? And what we did was I said, let's bring somebody else into the conversation right now. Right now, while we're talking in the Zoom, we're in a Zoom, boom, John Campbell, come on in. Why John? He's our head of product, but he's a former head of training. So maybe he'd have a perspective because we're selling a training product, right? We don't really know how to sell training products. John, if we were selling to you, what would this be like? Get him involved. Yeah, we're still not there. Cheryl's still not like, that's interesting, but it's not enough. You know, we've changed some words. We've done this, we've done that, but not quite enough to make me feel like, yeah, I should just go do it again, right? Still have everybody on, add one more person. I finally go, huh, wait a minute. There's this person who works for Sharp Electronics. And I won't use her name right now because she might not want me to, but she might later. And she's kind of the head of all the sales training there. She's absolutely brilliant, hard driving. And I've been on multiple test drives and flight schools with her. And flight school is a thing that is, is kind of a thing over there at, at Sharp Business Solutions. And they're sort of rolling it out. So I thought, well, that's who we successfully sold it to before. And we didn't even know we were selling it. Let's find out what she would think as the buyer in a cold call. So we'll go back in time and say, imagine somebody's cold calling you. How should they get you intrigued in a meeting? What should go into the breakthrough line? And we did that. Did we come up with something? Almost. But Cheryl's still like, yeah, it's almost, but I feel like that's the stuff that would go in discovery, not the stuff that would go in the cold call. And then we have the breakthrough. And the breakthrough is, Cheryl, your own story is the story. You used to be the number one appointment setter at InsideSales.com. Now Zand, the CEO, Jim Steele, came to you to find out how you do what you do. Why are you killing it? And other people are killing it less. So you are that person, you are that go-to person. When you experienced Connect and Sell in a kind of a blitz and coach session, it was a test drive, not a flight school. What was your experience like? How did it change your life? Because that's your story and you can tell it undeniably in answer to an objection. And you can say, at the very least, this is what it feels like to go through it. This is what it did for me so much that I joined the company and now I'm making my career selling this. Oh, that's awesome. That's so, awesome. So that's where we got. I think it's a good answer. We'll find out, right? But at least for it's Cheryl. Authentic. It's authentic and it's um, it's empathetic. It's novel. You know, it's all the things you look for. And there's, a, frankly, there's a, just enough tension in there too, where, listen, I'm already on this journey and on this path and look at me now. You know, you, if, your team could be me. Yeah. Essence, right? So, you know, as we know from Oren as well, right? You need humor, intrigue, curiosity, but a fair amount of tension. And I think what you guys have discovered there, right, uh, certainly has, uh, has all four. But that cycle time in a traditional organization would have been weeks or maybe even months. And maybe weeks, never. And maybe never. Maybe never. Because when you're stuck for too long, there's pressure to do something. 
and the do something is actually the fourth state that I don't even put in my list because I don't accept it. It's called faking it. I hate to say it, but I think uh, that phrase fake it till you make it drives me nuts because faking it is not a way of getting to making it. Doing it as well as you understand honestly and then understanding whether it's working or not as best you can and getting other people's viewpoint on that, that is not faking it. Faking it is when you're doing it as best you can and you claim your, to yourself and others that you're really doing it because it's about how they think about you. And that's a, I'm not a fan, but what do we do when we're stuck for too long? We go back and we fake flow. Yeah, That's what we do, we fake flow. And faking flow is the death knell of a startup. Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.